0: Welcome to episode 55 of board game blitz a proud member of the dice tower network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out how to interact with a stranger for the first time board game blitz is sponsored by gray fox games this week we're talking about navigating gaming and conventions with different personality types First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Container and Istanbul the Dice Game. Then, we talk about how to handle different gaming situations if you or the people around you happen to be introverted or extroverted. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word crowd. And now, here are your hosts, Ampi and Crystal. Hey there, Blitzketeers, future Crystal here. We are very excited because we just hit 3,000 followers on Twitter this week. And that's really fun and really exciting, and it's something that we kind of thought would never happen. It's a really big number, and we're really happy about it, so we wanted to do something fun to celebrate. So we are having a contest. Our amazing sponsor, Gray Fox Games, has offered up an awesome prize to the winner. So whoever wins this contest will get to choose their prize from one of three options. Either a copy of Rising 5, Runes of Astros, a copy of Champions of Midgard, or a game bundle that includes both Superhot and Multi-Universum. I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome. They're letting you pick whatever you want. You can get a prize that's perfect for you if you win. So how do you enter? All you have to do is write up a tweet using the hashtag Blitz3000, and tell us one of your favorite games that happened to show up on either Ambi's or my top 100 lists. Give us the name of the game, what number it was on one of our lists, and why you love it. And then make sure to use the hashtag Blitz3000. That's Blitz, B-L-I-T-Z, 3 If you don't have a Twitter account, that's okay. You can also email us with all of that information at boardgameblitz at gmail.com and just put blitz3000 in the subject line, all one word. So that way we can make sure all of those contest entries get filtered properly. We want to give a huge thank you to all of you for listening and for following us on Twitter and for following us everywhere else. And another big thank you to Gray Fox Games for both sponsoring our show and this contest. You have until July 8th at midnight Pacific time to enter, and we will announce the winner in our July 19th episode. Good luck! Before we hop into the main episode, we wanted to make sure that you all remember that we are going to be at Dice Tower Con in now less than two weeks. Yes. So exciting. So exciting. <laughs> Aside from MeepleCon, this is my, so I guess including MeepleCon, this is my second big convention of the year. I know MeepleCon is technically not big compared <laughs> to some of the others, but it's big for me, especially because I help run that one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. yeah, Dice Tower Con, we're going to be helping out with a lot of the Dice Tower's events or participating in them or attending them. And mm-hmm. uh, I hear that uh, Tom has enlisted us to be referees for his live people-sized game of Magical Athlete. And yeah. from what I hear, that is something that you all will not want <laughs> to miss. I hope we get whistles. Ooh, oh they should not give us whistles. Wait, you know what? I bet we can borrow kazoo's from this game is Ooh, yeah. broken and use kazoo's instead of whistles. That's what I'm going to I'm going to lobby for. I'm going to go find Dan Hughes and see if he'll lend us some kazoo's. <laughs> so I bet he will. But the, That'll be the fun. this I'm excited to attend the this game is broken live show Yeah. and the Dice Tower Awards and mm-hmm. the Jack Ma- Jack Vassal Memorial Fund auction. So many things happening at Dice Tower Con, and I cannot believe it is so close now.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited. This will be my fifth Dice Tower Con, and so I'm excited to see the friends that I've made over the years again. And I'm also excited for the This Game is Broken live show, because I think I might be participating
0: in part of it. Ooh, that's exciting.
1: (laughs) So that'll be fun. Yeah, and all the events. I'm jelly.
0: I haven't gotten to participate on any (laughs) This Game is Broken stuff yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Recently, I've been playing Container, which is a game published in 2007, designed by Franz Beno Delange and Thomas Ewart, and published by Valley Games. It's three to five players, and I've been playing it five players, and it lasts about 90 minutes. So Container is an economic game that has an entirely player-driven economy. The game is about containers, like shipping containers uh, that have different goods in them, And we play where you have to name what your goods are. There's five different types of goods, and you have to say what they are.
0: (laughs) What's the uh, most interesting good that's been named so far in your games?
1: um, We're we're not super mature, so I think we had, like, jars of poop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so someone's shipping giant containers filled with jars of poop? Yes, yes. Okay. Yep. I love how you guys are like, we would like to play a heavy economic game. And then we will mention poop. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. So in container, you want to have the most money at the end of the game. And that comes from cash that you have, but also from the containers that you've bought during the game. There's five different goods and you can produce them, store them in warehouses and ship them. And when you ship them, they get auctioned off. But each step, you need to sell it to another player. So if you produce something, it has to go to someone else's warehouse. They buy it from you. And then someone else buys it from them to go on their ship and at each step you also price the containers how you want to price them so money is just passing back and forth between the players as the containers are moving and the way you can get more money into the system is when you ship you auction off all the containers on your ship in a bid so everyone simultaneously bids and whoever wins the auction pays the owner of the ship and the bank pays that amount as well so they get double money so you can get a lot of money for shipping stuff And then there's more money. So then people raise their prices and get more money for the other things and just more and more money. But you could also lose money when you ship, uh, lose money from the economy because you can choose to buy it yourself by paying the bid amount. But then you pay the bank and the bank doesn't give you any extra money. So the money gets lost and then everyone's poorer and the prices have to lower. So it's completely like player dependent on how much money there will be in the system. At the beginning of the game, each person has a card that's secret and it has the prices of each container. And everyone So everyone values the different containers differently, the different types of goods. So someone can really want jars of poop and other people will not. <laughs> but that makes the auctions interesting because you know how much theoretically it will be worth for you, but it's worth different for other people. And also you want to try to make things that other people want because then they'll pay you more for it. So I played it a few times with five players, and I really enjoy how you can set the prices yourself and how it depends on the players. It's all player interaction. And I like the bidding in this one. I usually get stressed out for auctions and bidding stuff, but I like how it's simultaneously bid, so you don't have to worry about raising prices. (laughs) And then also because you know your worth of the containers, you know how much the maximum bid should be for you. But another cool thing is that at the end of the game, you actually throw out the color of container that you have the most of. So you don't actually know what each thing will be worth because you could throw it out and you want to get a lot of things that are bad so that your second highest will be like getting a lot of points. So that's interesting.
0: So when you say that you have to get rid of the the ones that you have the most at the end of the game, Mm -hmm. thematically, how is that explained? Just for my own curiosity's sake.
1: I don't remember. I don't know if I've actually read the rules,
0: like, all the way through, so... Oh, okay, so someone someone taught you the game, and that's just what yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. Because that so does I mean, it doesn't seem thematic, just, you know, offhand, but I imagine mm-hmm. there's a reason for it, and I'd be I'd just be curious to know what that is. Maybe one of our listeners who's played Container can tweet it at us, although we might have learned it by now, by the time you're hearing this, <laughs> but who knows? So if there's a thematic reason for it, I'd be curious to know what it is. Maybe they all just get stolen. <laughs> oh, no, that's sad. I don't want it to be that. <laughs> I want it to be that you're so rich and prosperous that you donate the good that you mm. have the most of to charity. Okay. That's, that's... that's what I'm going to go with until I hear otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that was Container. Wait, and 2007 is when you said that one came mm-hmm. out. So that one's a little bit of an older game, but it just got a reprint, right? Yeah, like it has a
1: new version, a jumbo edition uh, that came out on Kickstarter last year and I think is delivering at some point this year. I'm
0: not sure. I feel like, yeah, like either <laughs> soon, maybe, or a couple of people have been talking about it lately, but mm-hmm. it's people who may have gotten early copies, so. Yeah. Okay, cool. During our top 100 lists, which if you have not checked out yet, you should head over to our YouTube channel and do that, uh, we mentioned that one of the top games on Cassidy's list was Istanbul. And I have played Istanbul, and I like it. So when I got the opportunity to try out Istanbul the Dice Game recently, I took it. So Istanbul the Dice Game came out in 2017, uh, designed by Rudiger Dorn, and I think it's published by AEG. That's the, the one on the box on the BGG picture, but there's a lot of publishers listed, so I know it was published by different people overseas and here in America, and it's hard to tell. Uh, if you go back and listen to the episode where Cassidy originally talked about Istanbul, which Ambi will episode link. sixteen. There we go. <laughs> I knew you would have it because we talked about this earlier. Then you'll you can hear about the regular Istanbul game. Istanbul, the dice game, has a nearly identical theme and similar win conditions like goals that you're going toward, but entirely different, well, mostly different mechanisms. So in Istanbul the Dice Game, on your turn, you are—you take a handful of dice and you roll them, and then you spend those dice to do a number of things. Everyone has a player reference card that shows what you can do with different die faces. Uh, the faces of the die either have a one of four goods, uh, a thing that will let you draw a card, Or uh, money, which will allow you to collect money. So then you are using those dice to gain goods, tokens, to buy mosque buildings, which cost different amounts of different die faces to gain money or to draw cards which will allow both you and potentially the rest of the table to do something cool like buy more goods at a different price or other things. Basically all you're trying to do in this game is build up a tiny engine where you have goods that you can then sell for crystals. Just like in regular Istanbul, the end goal here is crystals. And uh, in this game 5 specifically will trigger the end game. So it's pretty short, it's pretty quick. And it does just like Istanbul, you once somebody has five, you finish out the current round, and then whoever has the most crystals wins. and if there is a tie, which is likely in games like this, or you know more than a tiny bit possible, then um, there are some tiebreakers based on money and the good tokens that you have left and other things. The uh, mosque buildings that you collect will sometimes give you extra dice. So I believe normally people start with only four, but on your turn, you might be able to roll five or six or even theoretically seven if you've bought mosque buildings that will allow you to do so. And it's just, yeah, tiny engine building with the goal of getting crystals. You sell four goods of this type, you get a crystal. You spend 10 money, you get a crystal. And just like in regular Istanbul, the requirements to get crystals on specific areas increase as people take them. So once somebody spends 10 gold to buy a crystal, now it costs 12 gold to get a crystal. So it's very similar to uh, Istanbul in that way, but it plays very differently. It's shorter. I really liked it. It's pretty simple. And if you're rolling dice poorly, um, it can be pretty brutal, but there is a way to gain re-roll tokens. Um, there's another type of crystal, like little, uh, a different color that will let you re-roll dice. So you can mitigate it a little bit. I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. If I owned both, which I don't own either currently, if I owned both, I think this would hit the table more often only because it's shorter. And I think it's a little easier to teach. But I do like the mechanisms in regular Istanbul, so I don't think this replaces that. Mm-hmm. So... That is Istanbul, the dice game. Cool. I remember before
1: we were talking about how dice games are usually like worse than the regular game, but this one, it seems like it's still pretty
0: good. Yeah, I think it's, this one really isn't to me better or worse. I Mm -hmm. think it's different. And I definitely think that some people will like one and not the other, but not Mm -hmm one of them in particular i think some people will gravitate toward one and some people will gravitate toward the other but it was nice because even though the mechanisms are different since thematically and end goal wise it's similar it felt more approachable to me i mean not that i would have had trouble learning it anyway since it's a kind of simple (laughs) game but i was like oh you turn in things to get crystals you're trying to get lots of crystals before everybody else you know it just felt it felt familiar in a way that most Mm -hmm. new games don't cool yeah For this week's thematic segment, we wanted to touch on a topic that is related to something we've discussed in the past, but is a little different. So our very first episode was about conventions. And then I believe we revisited that topic about a year ago and talked a little bit more about something related to conventions. Or maybe we didn't. I could be misremembering, but I know we've talked about it in the past at some point. Mm. So for this episode, we're going to talk about how to navigate not just conventions, but gaming in general, If you or the people you are around happen to fall into some generic personality categories, and notably extroverts and introverts.
1: Yep. So I recently found out that introvert is not the same thing as shy. So I was like looking up definitions of introvert and extrovert. And apparently introversion means that you get your energy from being alone like you recharge energy by being alone. And extroversion is when you can recharge by being around people. So you need to be around people to recharge. Yeah, I'm a shy
0: introvert. So I get them confused. <laughs> and I am an outgoing extrovert. So I and I would imagine that's often the case. While like mm-hmm. nobody, I, I think almost nobody would fall 100% in any category. You yeah. can usually say what the thing is you are the most. Mm -hmm. and i i'd say most extroverts are likely outgoing and i would say most introverts are likely shy but not always
1: yeah because it matches with the personality because if you recharge by being alone then you probably wouldn't be talking to people as much so then you're more shy and vice versa for extroverts right
0: yeah so we were kind of we uh, we reached out to our listeners to try and get some feedback about you know advice for how to navigate a gaming a public or even private gaming situation or convention if you are extroverted or introverted or if the people you're playing with are extroverted or introverted because it's important to not just consider your own personality but to be cognizant of the people you're playing with because you're always trying I mean the end goal is about everybody having fun and sometimes getting to fun is different for different people and you don't ever want to put somebody in a situation that they're not comfortable with so I think it's it's important to at least you know you don't want to uh somebody specifically commented that you don't want to call out people for their personality potentially Mm -hmm. like you don't want to be like oh you must be an introvert because obviously (laughs) that that could be taken the wrong way and potentially put someone in an awkward position but it is potentially important to try and make notes about something like that, particularly if it will help you game with someone in a more enjoyable way, both for you and for them. Oh, and that was Nick. That was our our good friend and listener, Nick, who pointed that out, that if you're playing with someone who is clearly introverted, don't point it out or make them the center of attention. And, you know, maybe in theory, play against them differently if it would potentially enhance the experience for everyone. And I know there are some people who say, you know, you shouldn't play games differently based on who you're playing with. And in some instances, I agree with that statement. For instance, I don't often appreciate it when a couple is playing a game together and they are treating one another differently simply because they are together. That is not good. But if, you, if you're if you willing to cater your gameplay to a person's personality, I think that that can potentially be helpful, you know, especially if situations are awkward for whatever reason, or you can tell someone's not having a good time, you know, maybe you can take a, take a look at what's happening and try and fix it. So a lot of people that commented on Twitter have uh, said that, for, so I, I should specify, people who have self-identified as introverts, many of them said that they like to latch on to an extrovert um, mm-hmm. and have them kind of lead the way and dictate, you know, how the, f- where the fun's going to be and how it's going to go and introduce them to people. And I think that's a, that's a you know, good plan. If you have someone with you that is a little, you know, that has an easier time approaching strangers at a gaming table, feel free to tag yeah. along with them and say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, wherever you go, I would like to play some games with you and meet some people. And it can be a little easier if you already know one person to kind of get yourself into a group of strangers.
1: Yes, yeah, Stephanie on the BGG guild also said that. She said as an introvert, I think it helps to go to a convention with someone you know, like a partner friend or even acquaintance. That way there will be less anxiety about finding a group and I think less pressure. You can just play a two-player game from the lending library if you aren't up for being very social at any given moment. And she said more, but yeah, I agree with that. Like I've I've only gone to conventions with Toby because otherwise I I don't know what I would do but I I basically like go with him all the time and he's an introvert too but he's slight he's more outgoing than me but yeah it's it's nice having him to go around and I just always play games with him and actually the first convention where I didn't play games with just him was uh BlitzCon last year which was kind of tough because I'm it was it's like hard to go play with new people without having him there so yeah (laughs) that that was exciting for me and I think a lot of the responses we got were from self-identified introverts I think most of them said that they were introverted on both Instagram and BGG and I think maybe Twitter too Uh, Harley on the BGG guild said that For me, the worst situations are talking to strangers in a group setting with no rules, so I really like that board games give me a structure to fall back on. It gives the group a common groundwork and means that I can relax. For me, it's much less stressful to join a group playing a new game at a noisy convention than to stand around with a group of people at a party. So from our very small sample size, it seems like board games work well with introverts because there's a lot of people that responded that said they're introverted and board games has that structure. So like you have something to do other than make small talk with people, which I think helps.
0: I agree. And I think, I don't know if I've discussed it here on our podcast before. I know I've discussed it somewhere before. But yeah, like in normal social situations with strangers, you're put Mm -hmm. into the position of finding something common to talk about. And often that kind of falls back to things that can potentially be boring. Like, oh, what do you do for work? You know, what do you do for fun? And if person A is a rock climber and you are a video game streamer, you know, it's hard to maybe like hold up a conversation. But yeah, board games, if you're at a board game convention and you already know that all these people already love the same thing that you love, it gives you an in. It gives you that opening. Mm -hmm. It gives you a way. So I think if whether you're introverted or extroverted, it makes approaching a person a little easier, potentially. Yeah, and if
1: you're going to a game night or anything, you'll have that in common with everyone there, so that's nice.
0: Yeah, you can say, oh, you know, what's your favorite game? Or if you're mm-hmm. at a convention, what's, uh, what's the coolest game that you've seen here at the convention so far? And I think those types of questions are easy to ask, they're easy to answer, and they give you a starting point to have a conversation Every night is game night, responded on Twitter and gave some advice for introverts. Uh, They said structure and scheduling are your best friends. If you set goals to visit a certain number of booths or to play a certain number of games in the demo hall of a convention, you know, you try not to leave it completely open-ended. And also it can potentially be easier to attend a convention if you choose to uh, be a demo person or a volunteer. I don't know if I 100% agree with that last sentiment, I think that can force you to talk to people, but not all people would probably be comfortable demoing games or volunteering at a booth. But it is, I mean, if you are comfortable with something like that, I think it's a way to get you into conversations more easily because yeah. people would be approaching you about a specific thing.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's good for extroverts because if you get energy from being around people, if you're demoing at a booth, you'll be around people definitely. <laughs>
0: I've 100% considered doing it and just never, Mm -hmm. like, it hasn't made sense for me because I haven't been to any of the big conventions where that would really be. (laughs) I have an outstanding offer from one of the larger publishers to demo for them, and I've just never been able to take advantage of it. But I know that it would be something that I would enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, But now at this point, I feel like I'd almost be taking time away from potential coverage that I could do for our podcast so (laughs) I think I got myself too deep in this before I started doing that but I still I still think it would be fun to demo for a publisher at some Mm -hmm. point even at least a little bit at a convention
1: yeah and then more convention tips. On Instagram, Louis Likes Gaming said, As an introvert, I wouldn't worry too much about getting the most out of your convention. You should still push yourself to seek new experiences, but be mindful of your own limits. Maybe you want to take an hour to yourself so you can shower and eat while the floor is open. That's okay. Experience the convention in a way that makes you feel most comfortable. So I think that's good advice. Just Definitely. Re- recharge when you need to.
0: <laughs> we got some comments on Twitter about that as well. Uh, Jesse... And Space Cat's podcast both uh, recommended to extroverts and introverts Mm -hmm. to, you know, take time away from things if it will help you. And it doesn't matter whether you're introverted or extroverted. I think that's important for everybody to note because you do kind of have that, that fear of missing out if you leave the convention hall while it's busy and open and everyone's there. But, you know, especially for everybody... You need time to recharge occasionally, and crowds of people, whether you get energy from others or not, eventually become kind of overwhelming, and I think Mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of people push themselves too far, and that can be potentially where emotions run high or bad situations happen, and I think you want to be cognizant of that kind of stuff, and it is okay to take a break. Board Game Blitz officially gives you permission (laughs) to take a break. I should follow
1: this advice.
0: <laughs> you honestly, it's funny. Well, you, and admittedly, you're younger than I am. And I feel like when I was your age, I did have the ability to do, I know we're not that far apart. Like, No, it's changed significantly after I turned 30. Like everybody oh, says. I'm 30 now, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm now, I'll be 34 this year. And I, like, I get tired and I feel tired in ways that I didn't in the past. Or, like, it's weird. i getting old. And I know I'm not old. People don't <laughs> tweet at me. I know I'm not old. But I'm saying getting older is mm-hmm. weird. All I know is that when I was a kid and we went to the amusement park... My parents would be like, okay, let's sit on this bench for a moment. And I'd be like, why? Let's go on another ride. And now that I'm 34 years old, which is probably about the age my parents were when we were frequenting amusement parks, mom and dad, I get it. I understand now. I would like to sit on that bench for a little while between rides. I understand.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Shout out to all the moms and dads powering (laughs) through with their crazy kids wanting to ride all the rides at an amusement (laughs) park. All right, so one last thing that we, we got from somebody, merely Rachel on Twitter said, When I'm not at a convention, I see all the lovely, here I am, come say hi, tweets on Twitter. But when I'm attending a convention, I'm too busy to keep up with Twitter. And so therefore she doesn't see those tweets. She says, how do folks manage those impromptu moments facilitated by tweeting? And I think that's actually a really interesting question, because I know I struggle with the same thing. I'm often pretty good about keeping up with social media, but when I'm at a convention, I tend to be worse at it. It tends to be, oh, I've ignored Twitter for four hours. Let me hastily scroll through my notifications to try and keep keep up and then I'll tweet a picture mm-hmm. and then I put the phone back away because obviously I'm trying to enjoy the convention itself but at a larger convention Twitter or Facebook or whatever else what other social media pro- platform you happen to be on can be a good way to connect with people so I, I'm honestly not quite sure how often that happens for people or how to navigate it but <laughs> I would right. say yeah, if you' maybe if you're struggling like if you know somebody's going to be at the convention and you want to meet up with them, maybe go to their Twitter account and see like, oh, I know they're going to be here. Let's see if they've tweeted about where they're going to be. Like our uh, awesome co-host, emeritus Cassidy was tweeting today uh, as of the date of this recording that was a couple or a week or so ago about where she was going to be at Origins. And so people could come find her. And she it was awesome. She tweeted a picture of her backpack, which I thought was so brilliant <laughs> because often you can't see who pe- a person is from the back. But if she tweets the picture of her backpack, now you'll know who Cassidy is even if you're behind her. So that's kind of neat. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. So that, a lot of people also uh, tweet, change their profile picture to their a picture of them so you know what they look like.
0: Stuff oh, yeah. like that. So less less I clever avatars.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you all so much for providing all of that feedback. I think I think we've got some interesting things about what to do, whether you are an introvert or extrovert or whether you're playing with one. Um, And this is definitely a topic that we could expand on more,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and maybe we will in the future, but if you have any other thoughts that you'd like to share, feel free to tweet them at us or post them in our BGG Guild for this episode, and if there's anything that, you know, is significant, we'd, we'd love to share it. For this week's Etymology segment, we're going to look at the origins of the word Crowd. The noun form of the word crowd originated in the 1560s when it meant a large group of persons or a multitude. It came from the verb crowd, and before the word was used as a noun, the more common English word that was used was press. The verb form of the word crowd came from the Old English crudan, which meant to press or crush. That word had the same linguistic derivation as the Middle Dutch kruden, which is spelled with an e instead of an a like the old English word, as well as the Dutch kruggen, which meant to press or push, and the middle high German kroten, which meant to press or oppress, as well as the Norwegian kruda, which simply meant to crowd. The term crowd pleaser was first used in 1943 while crowd control didn't come around until 1966 and the far more modern crowd surf was coined just a couple of decades ago in 1995. They sometimes say three's a crowd, but if you ask me, the more the merrier when it comes to having friends to play games with. And that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com
1: for video and blog content as well as to get links to all our social media pages including our facebook twitter instagram and board game geek guild this episode was sponsored by gray fox games have you picked up your copy of multi-universum yet it's available now at your friendly local game store and at grayfoxgames.com gray fox games quality games cleverly crafted if you're enjoying the podcast and want to show us a little love you can become a patron for as little as one dollar a month just head to patreon.com boardgameblitz. Our patrons get a lot of benefits, including access to our private Slack channel, where you can chat with us directly anytime. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Check out the other shows in the network by visiting dicetowernetwork.com. Until next time, Blitzport, 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 Blitzport. This is the podcast life I can control. Bye, everyone. Bye. So everyone simultaneously bids at the same time. I already said that.
0: <laughs> bye. <laughs> I forgot to say bye. I know. I was like, I was like, eh? And he <laughs> was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. You can cut out the blank space. So it's fine. <laughs> yep. I didn't say me that time. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking, about thinking that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to say me. I'm not going to say me. <laughs> So for last week's alliteration puzzle, a lot of you got the answer right. I mean, we did say it was an easy one, but we're still very, very proud of you for knowing <laughs> that if we were to retheme a quilt-making game for people in hospitals that love their country, what game would it be, Ambi? Patriotic Patients Patchwork. Yay! So congrats <laughs> to all of you who got that right. This week, let's, uh, I think this one's going to be pretty easy too, but who knows? So this week, we want you all to re-theme a chameleon game to be played at an unheated university. Good luck, everybody!